Back in August, uh, after camp, I met with Pastor Craig Peters. He was the speaker at Roblin Camp. And uh, uh, we, we got together for a coffee afterwards. We'd arranged to do that. And he directed me to a book by Francis Chan. Some of you know Francis Chan and his teaching and the power of that. But one of his books is entitled Forgotten God. And, and I bought the book at his recommendation and have been reading Forgotten God. And, and the book really is an assertion that the North American church have emphasized the Father and the Son, but, but have, have somewhat neglected or de-emphasized the Holy Spirit and, and sort of exploring some of the reasons for that. And I want to share a question that he asked that really resonated with my heart. And this was the question. If someone knew nothing about Christianity, nothing, and they had never read the Bible, not one time, and then you gave them a Bible and they read it, here was his question. How important would they think the Holy Spirit was to Christianity? It's an interesting question, really. It's a, it, it's a very searching question, and the answer to that is absolute, cornerstone, center, vital. You, you, you can't escape it. Now, we're going to give you a bunch of scripture, scriptures today, but, but you, you just can't escape that early church that the Holy Spirit was not a belief system to them. It was the life blood. They didn't just believe in the Holy Spirit. They actually depended on the Holy Spirit. They, they moved and, and their prayer life was so vital to the Holy Spirit of God. They waited for the Holy Spirit and they saw powerful things in a culture that was so dead and so contrary. It reminds us of a culture today. The Holy Spirit. In my journey, I have never not believed in the Holy Spirit in my life. I've never not believed in the Holy Spirit. I've believed in the Holy Spirit, at least in my head. But I believe over these last months that I've had to sort of wrestle with having taken for granted the Holy Spirit. And and I had mentioned this, I think, back in the fall, that I've had to to repent before God and say, God, I've neglected your Holy Spirit and, and taken for granted some things. And there's some baggage there for me that I've had to, to face. There's some baggage in my history. I've, uh, I've flowed into a lot of denominational, so, so denominations have a tendency to sort of take up different thoughts and theologies about the Holy Spirit, and sometimes they butt heads a little bit on those things. There are fears that come sometimes when people talk about the Holy Spirit. There have been abuses. I know that in our past, there's, we have a tremendous heritage here. But in our past, we, we, we fell prey to some legalistic elements where the rules became quite high. And we're going to talk a little bit about that too. And, and so that affected some of my thinking. And then I've rubbed shoulders with some people that are quite, they're quite hyper almost to the point of, a, of, of an emphasis that seems to be in a ditch. And there's ditches both sides of the truth. And, and it's this hyperness around the Holy Spirit and, and emphasizing specific things that I can't 
I can't gel with scripture either. And so it's caused me over time, I think, to, to be guilty of a certain level of neglect. And, and I was thinking about this. We, we get Jesus. Now, do we get Jesus? No. But, but, but we get Jesus. He became flesh. We get flesh. We get flesh. He, he, be, he became one of us. He was tempted in every way just as we are. I relate to that. I love it when I read that. He, he understands what I face. So we get Jesus. He walked on this earth and he wept and he laughed and he related and he bled and he died and we bleed and we die. But he raised. But, but we relate to Jesus. God the Father... If we had a good father, um, at least we have a, some kind of an inroad to understanding the love of the father, the, the presence of the heavenly father. But he's mysterious, <laughs> right? Mystery, 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 like the, the, the father. Um, we, read, we read his relating and we see his holiness and we see the fearsomeness and we see the extreme grace and love poured out through sending his son but but so we have the father we have the son but then but then you have the spirit then you have the spirit and jesus says to nicodemus the wind blows wherever it pleases you hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going so it is with everyone born of the spirit and and there's mystery there's mystery and it can cause us to be afraid. And the Holy Spirit, maybe one of the problems that we could have is the Holy Spirit, neither will Jesus or the Father, by the way, but the Holy Spirit will not be put in a neat little package of our understanding. Paul said, I pray that you may know the unknowable. Because <laughs> he's beyond our knowing, and yet we can know him. Right to have relationship with them, and that's that's the mystery. And so it makes us uncomfortable. Uh, and the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that that like the wind, we can't see the wind, but we see the effects of the wind. And and it's the wind can change, and it can and it can cause such amazing things to take place. And so it is with the Spirit of God. But that early church boy, they harnessed the wind that they harness the wind. And, and, and if we were to read the Bible for the first time, we would conclude, wow, well, Christianity, this Holy Spirit is, is the fuel. It's the wind. It's, it's the drive behind them, right? And the North American church, at least based on Francis Chan's assertion, we have neglected or been afraid, fear. So the bottom line is the Bible has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. The early church believed, more than believed, depended on him. Paul Kern, three weeks ago, he preached to sort of kick off our Bible reading plan uh, three Sundays ago. And uh, he talked about the Old Testament. I love this, what he shared. The Old Testament is like an MRI machine. It's like it gives us, the x-ray machine, it gives us the diagnosis of our human predicament. And then he talked about the fact that the New Testament gives us the cure. The cure is Christ, but it's Christ through his spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit for life and for godliness. 
We can be what God says we can be because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. So we sang it today. I am what you say I am. I am what you say I am. What is that about? That is about the fact that Jesus sent us his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the person of the Holy Spirit, to enable us to be what he called us to be. And 2 Corinthians says, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Freedom. There is freedom. Well, we're going to take a trip here. Uh, we're going to take a trip through uh, several, several scriptures, and we're going to fill in some blanks here this morning. And uh, there's some other pre- preface-type things we could say, but I think I'll just go right down to it here. Um, Chris, did you get one of the half pages that was in the bulletin? Okay, could, could somebody take this to Chris? This will help him a lot. When he, you got it? When he's pressing the button. Or whatever, however he presses the button. I had a dream about Chris last night. <laughs> I, uh, when I got to church today, I met Chris out in the parking lot. And, and Dawn said to me before I left, listen, when you see Chris more, you give him a swat. And the only reason she said that is because I told her about my dream last night. And it was just one of those stupid dreams. And he was driving a truck in the sanctuary and all kinds of crazy things happened. <laughs> And uh, so she said, you give that Chris Moria swat when you get to church. <laughs> the dream got worse, didn't it, Chris? I'm not going to tell you where it went from there, but stupid dream. It's just a stupid dream. And I know sometimes you pay attention to our dreams. I've decided to ignore this dream. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Okay. Here we go. What, what, what I've decided to do today is... Um, just take us on a sort of a, um, just a simplistic, well, it's not simple in the sense of it's vast and profound, but a simplistic theology trip to understand a theology of the Holy Spirit. And I'm doing it in, uh, in this kind of way. I want to share 20 amazing facts about the Holy Spirit. 20 amazing facts about the Holy Spirit. To get our, our minds wrapped around this gift it was not a curse, because that's maybe, maybe what the church has started to lean, thinking, oh, the Holy Spirit, we don't understand the Holy Spirit. It was the gift of the Holy Spirit, and uh, that he wants the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, to be at work in our lives. Okay, number one in our handout, the Holy Spirit is entirely God. The Holy Spirit is entirely God. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Go into all the world and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is one, the triune God, the the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, that he dwells within us, that he lives within the believer. Um, Acts chapter 5, verse 3, then Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied, and who did he lie to? You have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to men, but you've lied to God. 
Isn't it interesting, in, in the same sentence, or a couple of sentences, a couple of declarations, you've lied to the Holy Spirit, you've lied to God. The, the Holy Spirit is God, and it's really important for us to understand that, that God dwells within. When it says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, we are the dwelling place for God. He lives inside of us. Hallelujah. Number two. The Holy Spirit is for us. The Holy Spirit is for us. Now, now, now this is so important, and I've said this before, maybe one of the most profound prayers, maybe the most important prayers, God is, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food. By his hands we all are fed, give us, Lord, our daily bread, however. But, what, but, the, but the concept of God being Good. We sang it this morning. He's a good, good father. But there are so many voices that would pull us and cause us to question the goodness of God. The Holy Spirit is for us. He's cheering us. He, he, he is, he's prepared a way for us to go the distance and not just to survive, but to thrive, not just to, to, to limp into heaven, but triumphal entry as, G, as Paul talks about in Corinthians. And so, John 14, verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give you another counselor to be with you forever. And that word counselor is parakletos. Parakletos. It's a, it means, well, like it's rendered here in the New International Version, which I've read from today, counselor. It, it could be helper in, in, a, in another translation because this is the meaning of this Greek word. It, it's helper. It's, it's an intercessor. The word means to be a consoler. It means to be an advocate, as it were, or a counselor, to, to a go-between. It's a comforter. He's a comforter. The Holy Spirit is for us. He wants to be our partner. And, and we're in relationship with him. It, it's not a, a ball and chain. When Jesus said to his disciples, I, I no longer call you, I call you friends. You're friends. We, the Holy Spirit wants to be our friend. He wants to walk with us and talk with us and lead us and guide us in our lives. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is for us. He dwells in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Romans 8, 31, what then shall we say in response for this? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is for us and he's given us this Holy Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit replaced Jesus on earth. Now, you've got to think about that one for a second. The Holy Spirit replaced Jesus on earth. Let me read the verse, John 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Okay, nothing could be worse than Jesus telling them he was going away to their minds. Uh, they were distressed. John, you know, do not let your hearts be troubled. They were crushed that Jesus was going away. I mean, Jesus changed everything for them. But he says, I tell you the truth, it is for your good. How in the world could that be good to take Jesus away when you can see 
all of this amazing stuff that he's doing and accomplishing in our lives and the lives of those around us. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. It's for your good. I am sending another counselor. The Holy Spirit replaced Jesus on earth. Matthew 28, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And after he gives us that great commission, his disciples, he says, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. He gave his, the Spirit to live within us and he will never forsake us. The Spirit of the Lord will dwell inside of us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, number four. The Holy Spirit was intimately involved in our redemption. He was intimately involved in our redemption. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It's simplistic, but it's speaking about Mary, and she was found to be child through what? Through the Holy Spirit. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. He was involved in our redemption. The Spirit was involved in creation, and then the Spirit was involved in the plan of redemption, God's rescue plan for us spiritually. Number five, the Holy Spirit is essential for salvation. That we, we cannot be saved without the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. We're back at John chapter 3 and verse 6. He says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. We are born again of the Spirit. When, when uh, the, the, the Bible indicates to us that our spirit is dead because of trespasses and sins. And so when we come and we accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, see, he paid the sacrifice. Justice was demanded. The law demanded justice. And Jesus was the only one that could fulfill the demands of, of, to, for justice. We always want justice. Oh, we want justice, unless it has to do with us. <laughs> we want justice for everybody else except for us. We want mercy. Everybody else gets justice. And see, that's why, that's why this whole thing, right? And, and the law is just so unbending. The law is so unbending. It, it demands justice. Well, you're going to have to pay. Somebody's got to pay. The bill is still here. You don't get your license. You've got some misdemeanors out there. You've got a traffic violation. You don't get your license until you pay these off. Somebody's got to pay it. Justice. Well, I want mercy. But boy, get that guy over there because he drives worse than I do. Whatever. Um, and so, and so he was, he was in the essential part of salvation that the spirit is the one who gives birth to spirit. It is our spirit communing with God's spirit. We are made alive in our spirit. And that's why when Uncle Eldon went to be with Jesus. That's why Paul can say, though outwardly we are wasting away, and he did. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. He was renewed. His spirit is stronger, and he's with Jesus because it's, it's a spiritual thing. Salvation without the Holy Spirit, calling and enabling is impossible. Therefore, 1 Corinthians 12, therefore I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. This is an interesting 
little tests that Paul puts out here. One is from a negative point of view and one is from a positive. Nobody speaking by the Spirit of God can say Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's an interesting one. Based on that, our Napanee Ministerial Association, in order as a Christian leader in this community to join our ministerial, you have to be, de- you have to be willing to declare one thing, that Jesus is Lord. That is the entry point into our ministerial. If you can declare that Jesus is Lord, you can belong as a Christian leader in this community to the Napanee Ministerial Association that meets once a month fellowships and endeavors to be in unity of the unity of Christ, the Holy Spirit. Okay, number six. The Holy Spirit has a clear purpose on earth. The Holy Spirit has a clear purpose on earth. John 16, 8 When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, Jesus speaking here. So his mission is to bring people to a place of decision about eternity. That's what it says. He, he He will convict them in relation to guilt for sin in calling us to righteousness, to the, to the character of God and of judgment to come. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. We are not an island to ourselves to do what we like, when we like, if we like. We will have an accounting. We will have an accounting. And he will convict people to that. Number seven. The Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He guides us into all truth. John 16, 12 says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can bear, but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Truth is really, really important. Because the Bible says... Jesus said, the truth will set you free. It's it's why it's so vitally important when we are dealing with our lives that we come to the place of living in reality. We cannot fix what what is not real. Because what happens is when our life is bad, when there are bad things that happen, when there's hurtful things that happen, what we do is we put defenses up because it feels so awful. And all of those defenses they can actually distract us and they make this unreal world. And, and it protects us for a while, but it actually, it may be protecting us a little bit from the hurt for a while, but it also keeps us from reality. It's only in facing our pain that we live in reality. Now, I know that's going off track a little bit here, but we're talking about God's truth and we're talking about truth in our lives. He will lead us into all truth. He will lead us to reality in our lives. We've been on this Bible reading plan. Have have we asked the Holy Spirit, I believe it says this in the beginning of the book, if I remember right, I read it at the beginning, to ask the Holy Spirit to open up the word to us. Because as we read he, he leads our minds. 
I just, I just have to pause just for a moment. I, I have a scripture. When I found out on Tuesday night that I was going to be asked to preach at Uncle Eldon's funeral. And I had no idea that I would be asked to do this. I had a scripture going through my mind, and it was a bit of an odd scripture of not speak, spoken that I know of, certainly not at a funeral, on the, on the passage. And I, and I read it through, I read it through, and I read it through. My mind kept going there, but I couldn't find the center of what it was about. And so Thursday night, that was Tuesday night, I believe, Tuesday afternoon. Thursday night, he passes away. We get the word 11.30 at night. And I remember there in the hotel room, we're at pastor's retreat this past week, two, two nights there, we were there. And I opened up that scripture, and it just burst. I said, Dawn, you need to come. And so she came out, and, and I said, listen, I want to read this. Because I had told her about this scripture. I said, I can't, I, I think I'm preaching from this, but I can't find my way through it. And I said, I just read it again, and it just popped. And the two of us cried. I believe the Holy Spirit just caused it to come, and, and it's there. It, praise the Lord for that. But, but I experienced that moment. I was so grateful that the Holy Spirit was leading us into all truth and he was illuminating something and I had read it. I had read it two or three times and I read it again and God seemed to just bring it. God wants to do that to the scriptures. There's things that we don't understand. There are mysteries. Oh my goodness, our minds, are, my mind is small and yet God will illuminate by his Holy Spirit. Number eight, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. John 15, 26, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify, what? About me. He'll testify, he leads people to Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads people to Jesus because the God, the Son, paid the price of redemption on a cross so that we could be free and live forever. He points to Jesus. Number nine, the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Father. Acts chapter one, verse four, four, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. He promised them a gift, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes with us on this Christian journey. It is a promised gift. He did not leave us desolate. Though we walk through wildernesses, though we walk through difficult circumstances, Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. His Holy Spirit dwells within us. Number 10, the Holy Spirit brings good fruit. He brings good fruit, good outcome. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. The kids, kids know the song, maybe. Against such things there is no law. So the outcome rubbing shoulders with, walking in step with, brings a result, and it brings love. 
and it brings joy and it brings peace and it brings patience. And none of these are particularly circumstantially controlled. As I have, as I have, as I get older, I think about circumstances and there's just never, there's never a lack of a sour circumstance. Like, are you, are you with me? <laughs> Can you say amen? Like just, you know, you just, you have these moments where you just sort of get on a little bus of, and then there's just something sour that gets dropped and it can create such trauma within. And, and, and as I've thought about that, I've had to say, God, what does it mean for us to walk triumphantly? What does it mean for us to walk with the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? When this just feels so yucky, it feels so gross, it's not dependent on circumstance. It's standing on reality in the midst of our circumstance that no matter what worldly wind blows, no matter what blindsiding circumstance finds its way into our life and the, and the, only, the only thing, the only unchangeable thing is the fact that change will happen. Someone said, change will happen tomorrow. We don't know what, what the world will look like tomorrow except God, except God. And we can stand on that. We can take that to the bank when the bank account is empty, our earthly bank account. And when our, when our bodies waste away and the disappointment of, of losing our physical happens, we have God our spirit, it never wanes and it never shrinks when we have God, when we have the Holy Spirit. He will make our spirit stronger and stronger and stronger. The fruit of the Holy Spirit, the outcome, the overflow, the result. Number 11, the Holy Spirit is how we defeat sin. Galatians 5.16, so I say live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Live by the spirit. And it says you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. And so there has to be a replacement. There are desires that belong to our human nature that are not attractive to a holy God. But the Holy Spirit, as we walk with him and as he forms and shapes our desires, we begin to desire what the Spirit of God desires. And he shapes us and he will help us overcome sin in our life. And this is so vitally important because we struggle. We struggle with areas of sin. I have, I've, I've watched it in my own life in areas that I've struggled so much and I've had to really come to grips with the fact of how I have not walked, I've walked, walked in certain areas but there's certain areas where I've not walked in the spirit and I've paid the price of my powerlessness and God is, is, is bringing me to that being transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's about the Holy Spirit at work in us, setting us free. Number 12, uh, 
10, 11, 12, the Holy Spirit is better than following the rules. The Holy Spirit is better than following the rules. How many love rules? How many love the, Galatians 5, 14. The entire law is summed up in a single command. This is what Paul said. Love your neighbor as yourself. Sounds so simple. It was Uncle Eldon. I can remember him telling me before I went to Bethany Bible College, you're going to be living in a dorm, Burton. You're going to learn how to get along with people. And I still remember, I can remember my exact thought. I was one of those high school guys that smiled all the time and got along with everybody. I thought, well, I, thought I already learned all that. Man, I went to that dorm, and I had to learn how to get along with people. I had some really tough relationships emerge. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says in verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Because the Holy Spirit births in us the desire to walk and to be in the character of God who is love, in the character of God about how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. And so when we're off in our relationships one another with one another, and we do, we get that way. Things happen, words are spoken, misunderstandings happen. Sometimes they're not misunderstandings. Sometimes they're straight out bop in the head kind of stuff and we're hurt by it. But whatever it is, if we're led by the Spirit, we are having birthed in us the character of Christ to look at one another through the lens of God, that you are loved by God. You are special to God. And though we may have moments where we butt heads, those can be healed because we have the same heavenly Father and we have the same spirit within us. And he calls us to forgiveness and unity as we walk together. We don't have to live life on our own. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live and to desire. And it doesn't have to be just putting up constant rules, forms, like you're pouring cement. You put the forms in place and you pour the cement. You go by buildings and you'll see all the forms, the, the wooden forms there. Can you imagine if they left them there forever? How ugly buildings would be? No, the cement hardens. You expect the cement to harden so they can stand on its own. And then you take the forms away. But we live our life with forms in our life. Because we follow the rules and we somehow have to be hemmed in by the rules. And there will come a day when you get to heaven where there won't be any rules. Now think about this. Because the rule is God and the only thing that will be in our hearts is to please the one who created it all. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to birth in us now. Number uh, 13. I've got Roman, I, I don't know why I did that to myself. I've got Roman numerals and I'm out of practice here. The Holy Spirit <laughs> sets our minds free. <laughs> the Holy Spirit sets our minds free. Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit of life is life and peace. Paul said in Romans 12, to be transformed by the renewing of your minds, he will set our minds free. Are you having difficulty with your minds? What you think? Difficult with, with uh, lust? Difficult in areas of purity? Difficult in areas of bitterness and how we think? Uh, taking thought, every captive every thought? He will set our minds free. He will do it. 
I don't say that it will all be easy. I don't. He will do it. Number 14, the Holy Spirit brings unity to Christians and tears down walls. He will bring unity to Christians. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. To drink. We, we have the one, one spirit. So regardless of where we come from in life, you know, regardless of our likes and our dislikes and our, our backgrounds and our, our social and our eth- ethnic backgrounds and all those kinds of things, we are one in Christ. We are one in the spirit of God. The spirit that is in you, if you are following Jesus, is the same spirit that is in me. And as we commune with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we commune with one another. And that's the unity he's called us. And when we're out of unity, we need to take really a big look at the Holy Spirit's work within us and say, God, bring unity. Um, number 15, the Holy Spirit assures our salvation. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. He assures our salvation. We're not going to pause there right now just because of time. Number 16, the Holy Spirit makes us wise. Isaiah eleven two, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The spirit of God can, will teach us, lead us to truth, and he will make us wise. Number 17, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. 2 Corinthians 12, 4, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now it is now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. He, he gives us gifts so that we actually have ministries within the body that we can offer to one another. Uh, the gifts of, of encouragement, or gifts of proclamation, or gifts of, of hospitality, whatever the, the gifts are, he can birth those in us and it ministers to the body. Number 18, the Holy Spirit brings spiritual freedom. Spiritual freedom. Are you in freedom? Are you in bondage? And when we're in bondage, you know what? It, it's not about trying to make people say, oh, I'm, in, I'm free, I'm free, but I don't feel free inside, but I'm saying it. No, no, it's about living in reality. One of the things I love about CR, I really do, I love the fact of it's just simple honesty. Hi, my name is I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. And I'm celebrating recovery over this and I'm struggling with this. Now some people, they don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything at CR. But there is the opportunity and people are praying for you and people are coming alongside of you and there's accountability and we're cheering you on and we're believing the Holy Spirit to bring us out of those habits, hurts, and hang-ups, whether they're sins or just life has crushed us. God is big enough. Spiritual freedom, it comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, 2 Corinthians. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. All right, number 19, the Holy Spirit can be grieved. His feelings. 
emotions. We were created in the image of God. Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you were sealed, the, the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, the dwelling place of God. It's grief. To be grieved is grief, intense sorrow. And it's interesting, the context of this particular verse in Ephesians, surrounding it on both sides, is don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. That's what's before this verse, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. And after this verse, it says, get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, and every form of malice, and be kind and compassionate. So the context is here, we make God really sad when we treat each other bad. That's the context. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God who calls us to unity and love. And that ought not to be in the body of Christ. And we have to learn, and and I'm talking to Bert, Hebrews chapter 12, make every effort to live at peace. Uh, You know, every effort to live at peace with all people. Why? Because we've been called to the unity of peace, and it can be hard. Oh, it will be tested, and there's things happen. And the final one, the Holy Spirit is in love with you. The Holy Spirit is in love with you. Romans chapter 15, verse 30. I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. The love of the Spirit. God loves you. You can be everything that God called you to be. He's given his Holy Spirit to indwell you. I, I, I struggle to know how to, to end this message, but I, but I think... I just have a clarity that we don't need to do much. I would like us to take this little sheet home if you have it. Read, read through some of these scriptures. But this week, to live with just a more awareness, not of just God the Father and Jesus the Son, but the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit. To, to live with an awareness and an intentionality to say, Holy Spirit, guide my day. Holy Spirit, open up the word to my heart. Holy Spirit, help me to walk in unity. Holy Spirit, help me to experience your love. Holy Spirit, lead me to truth. We could pray down through all 20 of those blanks, and there's more than that, and say, Holy Spirit of God, you and I, we're walking in partnership today. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness, and thank you for a a winter morning that we get to spend I thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Teach us what it means to walk in step with your spirit. It says we will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You want to give us power over sin. God, you want to give us fruit that will overflow in our life and productivity and effectiveness. Lord, you want to give us gifts that will bring ministry for the common good of your body. Lord, there are so many things that you want to bring into our life. And God, I pray you'd forgive us for the times we've neglected, the times we have underplayed, underemphasized, that we've ignored, been afraid rather than filled with faith, that you are God and you are bigger, and God, you will guide us. Give us that power. We need it for ministry. 
how can we be the church in this day and age when people are turning from the church, their, their, their hearts are failing them and they're, they're coming to conclusions, God, that the enemy is pressuring them to that just says it's no use, there's nothing there, there's no hope and we have the hope of the world. Give us your Holy Spirit to reach into our culture, into our homes, into our schools and our workplaces with power when we feel so small. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen.